Hello and welcome to How We Live Online. I'm Christina. I'm Joanna. And welcome to another episode. You're going to learn something new. I'm excited. I'm super excited. I'm going to learn something new. Yeah, I guess. Christina's the ham today. Well, I learned something new in, in creating the episode, so we're all learning. But we have some things to say. Well, the first thing I want to say is thank you to our dear listeners, Denise and my mom, who brought to our attention the fact that Shenandoah was not the first or the second, whichever one we said, national park (laughs) established. We simply omitted the fact that this was the second national park established east of the Mississippi. To you Yellowstone fans, Denise, who is from Montana, and my mom, who was just in Yellowstone, oh, but two weeks ago, we are dearly sorry for this omission and erasure of, you know, the 10 national parks west of the Mississippi. And on that note, too, I was just thinking about how we have been talking a lot about the government this season. And just to give us all a moment to reflect on kind of the not black and white nature of a lot of what we talk about, right? Like, I think the point of our topics is to kind of get us thinking about issues in a light that we simply didn't know of before, you know, and consider a lot of information when we evaluate these different things. If I had to take that quiz again that I had to take in like civics in history, civics or government class in high school, and it was like a BuzzFeed quiz, meaning that it was just a quiz. <laughs> and it tells you what kind of government you like at the end of it, based on like all these questions. Hmm. I genuinely don't know what it would come out to. Yeah. Maybe that could be fun to do. But yeah, we were wrong. I was wrong about saying that Yellowstone was the first national park. First, Shenandoah. Or Shenandoah is the first. Sorry. You were right in saying that. <laughs> keep getting it fucked up. I don't hike. So (laughs) how am I supposed to know? Yeah. But yeah. So the first and second national parks east of the Mississippi are the Great Smoky Mountains in Tennessee slash North Carolina and the Shenandoah in Virginia. My apologies. Um, We are anti-big government in these past few episodes, minus the parking episode, Yeah. government. It's just like, what are we to do without all the knowledge we need to know? We simply need to know the facts from all angles, of which is impossible to eventually know the facts of everything from all angles. But like we are investigating the things that we're curious about. Mm -hmm. And that's like the whole point. (laughs) And I'm happy that people are engaging with. Right. You guys are on this like big government streak. No, anti-big government streak. Yeah. Just something that's been on my mind. Yeah, well, it starts a discussion and I don't know that I'm, you know, I am the jury's out for me on government. Like, I'm not going to say I'm anti or pro anything. I'm actually pro some government. I will say that. I think it's just interesting to hear about these different things from different perspectives and kind of weigh, you know, the traditional narrative about public lands, which is true that they not only provide recreation, but they set aside important spaces for ecosystem preservation. That is kind of an invaluable environmental resource, right? But kind of weigh that with the untold stories of these narratives of the people who lived there and who had to make the biggest sacrifice for this huge benefit to the whole nation. That's like something that my students and I have been talking about recently in the essays that we've been reading for class that like, the narrators of these essays are making these statements about like, here's something that generally like these writers are looking back on a time in their life when they were like addicted to drugs or like obsessed with religion or like were somehow fully in something Mm -hmm. and how in being so in that thing, they had to sacrifice in other ways in their life. Mm -hmm. And they're looking back and they're like, not exactly remorseful, not exactly regretful. They do see all the sacrifices they had made and like know that things probably would have gone better had they not 
had to make those sacrifices, but they still like don't regret doing it. And it's, it's reminding me of this just in that like to have things like public places to recreate, we have to sacrifice Mm -hmm. something you know like in all ways something's got to give and that doesn't mean that basically what it means is good things are not always all good bad things Mm -hmm. are not always all bad Mm -hmm. something's got to give I think I like to be and I think it's important to be informed and to know all the angles (laughs) of of a thing that doesn't mean I'm like anti-public national parks I'm very pro-national parks Mm -hmm. but I don't like that I didn't know that extremely interesting and complicated history of a place where I go often. Yeah. That feels shady. So true. Were you going to ask me what I'm drinking? Yeah. (laughs) Guys, the streak is alive. For the, whoa, for the visual listener. (laughs) What? What's so offensive? The snowman. Yeah. Cause it's hot chocolate. It was 80 degrees today. Oh, it's actually more like lukewarm chocolate. But my thinking was I went on a run before this and I was like, what should I drink? What should I drink? I had some options I won't spoil because maybe it will be one of my future drinks. And, you know, I just know that this is the listener's favorite part of this season is just being on the edge of their seat of what I can drink each week. Mm-hmm. Um And I was just remembering how the fad recovery drink when I was coming up as an athlete was chocolate milk. Yes. So I started to make a chocolate milk, but then it turned out the powder that I used was really designed for hot chocolate. And you don't think that makes a big difference, but it does. It didn't mix in. So I had to microwave it. And also Mm -hmm. I'd like to say it's soy milk. Oh, I was going to ask what kind of milk. Yeah, soy milk. Do extra people, protein for extra recovery. Is the chocolate milk supposed to be like that, like perfect protein thing? What's perfect protein? Like the combination of two things is like a perfect protein. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like everything, like I've heard like egg, like egg is the perfect, egg is the perfect food. But then also people are like the all the parts of the egg are bad for you and you should only have egg whites or something. I don't know. I don't know that there exists a perfect food. I think we should just eat food and eat a variety of foods and, you know, get our fruits and vegetables in and we should be good. Like it's just an egg. Yeah. It's just an egg. It's not perfect. No, it's just an egg. it, It has the good and the bad. Yeah. An egg is exactly an egg. It's exactly what it needs to be. Yeah. I bought eggs this morning. I've been out of coffee, like ground coffee. And for like three days. What have you been doing? Well, I've been like going to the library to work or so I like get a coffee. And then Mm -hmm. I'm like on the way home, like I have to go pick up coffee. And I just did it. And then this morning I was like, uh, I guess I could go get myself. And then I was like, no, it'll be the same amount of money. Yeah. If I go buy multiple things at the grocery store or if I go get Starbucks. Mm-hmm. So also I live in the Aldi Little Cinematic Universe in which like actually going there to buy anything ever saves me money because it's so cheap. Yeah, that's true. So Christina, you can bleep it out. But what library do you work at? I work at the library no that makes me so excited because when i come to richmond we can like work together during the day so what are you drinking i'm drinking the end of this mcdonald's coke oh you know i almost had a sodi and it's that's a terrible like the, color i know it's just the melted. that's not coke anymore <laughs> no it's not it's just melted ice at this point um but you make fun of my drink i didn't shameful I made fun of that it's holiday and it's not even Halloween. Snowmen? Girl, like some places are under snow the entire year. Where? Greenland. <laughs> this okay. is, these are actually Greenlandians. Greenlandians? Yeah. I love their their noses. Thank okay. you. They're so orange. I wonder what that's about evolutionarily. This is your reminder to follow and rate the show. Thank you. 
And to segue into the episode, I would like to claim my fault. I don't know if I have any faults, but one thing that was brought up to me, re the issue of parking that we discussed last week, was this thing that I, this aspect that I didn't read Donald Shoup talking about, not that he doesn't talk about it because he probably does because he writes uh, so much. Well, one, okay, I forgot to, I omitted the fact that Donald Shoup's stands are called Shoupistas. That was my bad. I think everybody should know that we are all Shoupistas now, period. Okay, soak that in. Okay, second. Uh, We didn't really discuss the idea of, you know, Shoup has this idea of making parking more expensive or just setting a market rate or what's the word? Performance pricing for parking, right? And there's this idea that like that might beget more people not paying for parking. Or as we saw in Houston, people staying too long in the spot and there was like the not good education about having to park late and then they would get tickets, right? So there's actually this idea that I haven't heard Shoup discuss of like the revenue generated that he suggests is a good thing is coming from um, tickets in some cases. And where do tickets come from? The police or the traffic police. And so one thing that I just like to point out that I didn't really think about that was brought to my attention by Alexis physician, the podcast physician (laughs) is just, yeah, this idea that some neighborhoods are obviously more policed than others. So it could just be, you know, something important to think about when we think about these parking reforms that they might not be equitably distributed, the burden of heavier policing around parking. Yeah. So people will get more heavily policed areas will get ticketed more, which like they probably are already getting ticketed more. Yeah. And then they're that group of people. They're also the not the majority, but like a big part of funding the project. Which mm-hmm. like maybe which they're not donating to, right? It's just because they're getting parking tickets. This is your reminder to follow and rate the show. Thank you. So speaking of overly policed areas, we're going to talk about Atlanta's cop city today, which is a very complicated topic. Cop city to give a rundown is a public safety training center for the Atlanta city police. Not just them, but it is a police training academy for police outside of Atlanta and throughout the U.S. to go train there. So you could compare it to military grade training facilities and then like also just military bases. So this is a direct militarization of the police, of American police. An important delineation between the military and police, which I had to think about for a second because I was like, at this point, I'm confused about how they're supposed to be different. The military, this may be really obvious, the military is meant to fight wars overseas or, I mean, like technically also here, but like non-domestic war. And then The police is here to enforce domestic law. So there's this difference of defense of the country and intervention in, you know, our our country. I just wanted to make that clear now, because as I was doing this, I was like, wait, but (laughs) actually, what the fuck is the difference? Um, But at this point, because this training facility is essentially a military grade training facility and they're going to be trained like the military, what it feels like is our police, which should be enforcing domestic law and intervening in the community when someone is breaking the law. It seems like they're coming at that with this ethos now of defense instead of intervention. Mm -hmm. So Atlanta's cop city is in the Wilani Forest in Atlanta, and it's considered one of the four lungs of Atlanta, as stated in a design report by Atlanta City Planning Department, which means it's very important for the ecosystem to have that giant forest for the people of Atlanta to breathe and such. The forest is largely surrounded by low-income Black neighborhoods, and the project of the Cop City is supposed to be finished by the end of this year. The estimated cost of Cop City is $90 million. $30 million of that is coming from the Atlanta Police Department, and 
I found a piece in the Guardian about the rest of that money. Where is that coming from? Because other places were reporting it was from like corporate backers. And I was like, but who? Mm -hmm. So this is a direct quote from this Guardian piece. Research shared exclusively with the Guardian details links between Rourke Capital an Atlanta-based private equity firm, which owns the country's second largest restaurant company, which is called Inspire Brands. It links it to a corporate backer of the Atlanta Police Foundation, Paul Brown, the CEO of Inspire Brands, who port- whose portfolio includes fast food franchises Duncan, Baskin-Robbins, and Arby's, sits on the board of trustees of the Atlanta Police Foundation, which is raising $60 million from corporate funders to build Cop City in the Atlanta forest. It used to be a public park. Go figure. (laughs) So um, one of the people who sits on the board of trustees is also the CEO of Inspire Brands. So likely he's a big, you know, benefactor to the cause. I'm going to use this one article that just came out like two weeks ago in a Philly-based social justice and Quaker paper, American Friends Service Committee. It was written by Akira Rose, and it's called Five Things You Need to Know About Cop City. So I'm just going to run through some of those and then, well, all of those, and then we'll, we can talk about some new news about it and um, what some prominent figures are saying about Cop City. Let's go. <laughs> Tell me what I need to know. What do we need to know? Okay. Tell me Quakers. I'm Quaking. Yeah. I know. I was like, it's called Friends. Is this a Quaker paper? It's a Quaker paper based in Philly. One. Cop City will fuel the criminalization of marginalized people and further expand the carceral carceral system. If you guys want to read the whole piece, um, I suggest doing so. I'm just going to, I'm picking parts of it. Um, Everything that I say in here is more in detail in the piece. But according to the original proposal for Cop City, 43% of the training at Cop City will be for officers outside of Atlanta including military training with the infamous Israeli Defense Forces. I wasn't sure how this was possible because I hadn't heard of that. And I've been like loosely following news about Cop City. During a little bit of Googling, I found that it was this um, training with the Israeli Defense Forces is actually part of the Georgia International Law Enforcement Exchange, which has law enforcement from all parts of the U.S. and world come together and like learn how to police, <laughs> um, which is crazy. I have a question and maybe mm. maybe we'll get to it. So is this like a revenue generating enterprise? I guess I'm confused like who like it's in Atlanta and is like Atlanta like letting other police forces train there and then it makes them money to have these like relationships or is it owned by like some higher, or I guess it's like co-owned, you said. I don't know how this is sustainable other than it just being straight up funded like it's the military. Because I don't think that it's rented out by other law enforcement. I think other law enforcement will be sent there to be trained. And maybe through that, they will be paid. But like, it's part corporate backing for public safety yeah of of what i found and what i know um and then part taxpayer dollars that go to the police so when you say funded like the military you mean because it's funded off the tax base yeah which is people and corporate taxes in in georgia i don't know what the tax laws are like in georgia my instinct is probably not let us know if you guys know about the taxes The fact that taxpayers are contributing millions to this, it's so fucking crazy based off of what people actually think of this, what the people think, which we will get to by the end. Yeah. Like, essentially, no one wants this to happen except for the city. I'm wondering, like, what's the accountability mechanism for people to not, you know, have the government do this? My understanding is that it's the CEO of the Atlanta Police Foundation, which his name is Dave Wilkinson. There's the former mayor who announced that this was happening, Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms, and the city council. What the backlash is like pointing towards are those three. Number two about Cop City, the things you need to know. It's bad for climate. 
So it's slated to be built on the largest green space in Atlanta, which is the Walani Forest. And it will include a mock city to practice urban warfare, which includes burning towers, bomb simulations, and multiple firing ranges. What the heck? So not only will it be a place for a place that is now urbanized because it's going to be like a cop city that and there's no longer that green space, but they're also going to be exploding shit. Oh, my God. The area, which is surrounded by mostly black residents who are at or below the poverty line, could experience up to 10 degrees of warming. Whoa. Near it. Everything's exploding all the time. Also, like this isn't in here, but now I'm thinking forest fires. At least it's Atlanta, which is like humid, but this literally could not exist on the West Coast. Like, this would be a disaster. It's already a disaster, but like it would be even more of an ecological, like true threat. Yeah. Also, Um, heat is such a big issue. I was just reading um, this book on loneliness by the Surgeon General, especially for Black Americans who have like disproportionately high deaths due to excessive heat because and it's connected to loneliness (laughs) what um because yeah they're less likely to have like social networks or like reach out in the case of you know having an adverse health event due to heat what yeah okay well now that we know those two things extra bad yeah yeah. It's terrible. 10 degrees of warming is that's shocking. crazy. Yeah. The forests in Atlanta currently absorb as much as 19 million pounds of air pollutants each year. And the sewage pollution in the South River, which is the river in Atlanta, has been a major issue for over a decade. And in 2021, it was named one of the most endangered rivers in America. And obviously, building Cop City will exacerbate this pollution. Not only will it make everybody hotter, but it will make the pollution that's already really bad even worse. Number three of things that you should know about Cop City. Cop City faces very intense public backlash. In September 2021, the city council received 17 hours of public comment from over 1,000 Atlanta residents, 70% of which were against building the facility. Wow. There are hours upon hours of meetings upon meetings where you can hear people talk to the city council about how they really don't want Cop City to happen. Number four of things you should know, law enforcement killed a Cop City protester. I am going to just read directly from this piece by Akira Rose because it's explained nicely and I don't want to get anything wrong. There's a lot happening in the forest. There's people who are protesting because they don't want Cop City to be built due to, you know, anti their anti-police militarization. And then there's a lot of like environmental activists who are more concerned or maybe equally, but like perhaps first concerned with the ecological impact. And so there's like a lot of different groups in the area coming from different backgrounds who all don't want it to be there. I'm reading from the Quaker piece now. The tactics used by law enforcement against the protesters have been extremely aggressive. In January 2023, a 26-year-old forest defender by the name of Manuel Tortuguita Tehran was shot over 50 times by a task force of Atlanta police, Georgia State Police, and the Georgia Bureau of Investigation attempting to clear the forest for construction. Though initial reports by police indicated Tehran shot an officer and was killed in defense, The autopsy report showed they had their hands up and were seated in a cross-legged position when they were killed. This marks the first and only instance in the history of U.S. environmental protesting that an activist has been killed by police, according to this article. Tortuguita was a beloved member of many activist communities. Those who knew them said they had a deep commitment to nonviolent protest As they stated in an interview from 2022, this is a quote from them, we're not going to beat them at violence. They're very, very good at violence. We are not. We win through nonviolence. That's really the only way we can win. We don't want more people to die. We don't want Atlanta to turn into a war zone. So already someone has died because of this. And number five of things we should know, 
law enforcement has taken unprecedented legal action against those who oppose the facility. This is where we get like super in these past two weeks. Um, what's going on with it? So protesters are still being charged with domestic terrorism for protesting the construction of this, which is now already under construction as it's supposed to be done by the end of the year. Law enforcement targeted the Atlanta Solidarity Fund, which has been helping activists and protesters secure legal counsel and bail money in the city since 2020. And on May 31st, a local community center was raided and three prominent members of the bail fund were taken in on baseless charges of charity fraud and money laundering. In early September, the state attorney general indicted 61 activists on racketeering charges, and those charged include the three organizers with the Atlanta Solidarity Fund. This is a RICO charge, um, the racketeering charge that usually is charged against like gangs and organized crime. So I wanted to read more a little bit about this RICO case against the activists because it didn't really make sense to me why like organized crime and gangs are very different than like kind of more like socialist groups of bail funds and and that sort of thing. Like they don't have the same power structure. So it's weird to give them like racketeering charges. But I found this piece from PRISM written by William C. Anderson. Um, It's a social justice paper. News of the indictment of 61 people in the fight against the construction of the militarized police training facility in Atlanta, aka Cop City, has left many in shock. Seeing dozens charged under the state's racketeering or RICO statute was confusing enough since authorities are targeting a decentralized movement using a law meant for highly organized crime. However, what left many people even more perplexed was how the 109 page indictment included descriptions of anarchism. It states early on that violent anarchists attempt to frame the government as violent oppressionists, thereby justifying the anarchists' own violence. They're saying this highly this this group of like nonprofit organizations is racketeering in a way that a gang or a highly organized crime situation would. Yeah. And they're also anti-government. And they're also saying that they're also violent in saying that we're violent. Like it, there's there's a lot that's not aligning. And at a hearing before a recent vote to fund Cop City with over 30 million in taxpayer dollars and an additional 1.2 million for the next 30 years as I guess a budget for them through the city. Recently, residents gave 14 hours of public comment, almost all of which was in opposition and the city council approved $67 million of public money anyway. This is very different from the $30 million that initially was stated. Atlanta, the people of Atlanta, don't want Cop City. Yeah. The city council keeps upping the budget, going against essentially what thousands of constituents are saying they don't want. From mm-hmm. all angles, like the environmentalists, <laughs> the, the social justice activists, and scholars Every there are like so many HBCUs there that every like there have been multiple statements from not every school. There are some schools. I think that um Morehouse's sister school, Spelman, I think Spelman hasn't said anything about it, but mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure Morehouse Morehouse certainly has said that they're against it. And generally a lot of the like scholars, like the prominent scholars who work at those places don't mm-hmm. want it to happen. Speaking of scholars, mm-hmm. what other community community-oriented Black scholar and activist would be the best to hear from other than the Angela Davis. The Angela Davis, who actually recently returned an award given to her by the Atlanta City Council because of Cop City. Mm. So this past March, Atlanta, Atlanta, (laughs) Angela Davis gave a keynote speech at the 20th annual Walter Rodney Symposium held on Morehouse, Morehouse College's campus, where she was surprise presented with an award from the city council, which she later returned in support of the Stop Cop City movement. In the Mm -hmm. moment, she was like giving her speech and they like came up and gave it to her. And she was like, okay. And then as she's receiving the award, which like, I think is just from the city as like, we acknowledge you. Everyone in the crowd started saying Stop Cop City. And so she released a video on YouTube through the Black Power Movement's channel where she says she regrets that she did not use that symposium to honor the political activist who passed away that we were talking about. And she regrets not using her voice 
and to, to add to the rising chorus of demands to stop Cop City. She says, in the first place, if the attempts by the Atlanta police to build the largest policing training grounds in the country are successful, this will represent a major setback for the movement for radical democratic futures, not only throughout the U.S., but globally. She reminded the viewers that she's fought against causes like this for far longer than a half century. She said, we have to oppose with all our might. Um, so that's from Angela Davis, who has some expertise in this area. <laughs> and I wanted to shout out some really helpful sources, specifically the Atlanta Black Star, which is a Black newspaper from the city, and the Marshall Project, which is a nonprofit journalism site about criminal justice. They have an entire page dedicated to Cop City with every single news article that they could find compiled into a list. So if there's anywhere for you to go to learn more about it, I suggest going to the Marshall Project, reading some of the things on there, and also looking at like non-mainstream news sites. I mean, when I was looking this up, honestly, like not enough mainstream news sites were keeping up with the changes. A lot of them were pieces from when it was introduced or when the activist died. But as far as like constant reporting and covering of the issue, the Atlanta Black Star is a good place to look and just other social justice papers that I mentioned earlier. But yeah, that's what's going on in Atlanta. And it's just crazy to go from like this damn dystopia episode to this episode. What do you think? Yeah, I mean... Or what are your questions? I feel like you had so many questions about like whose idea was this? Yeah, I mean, I guess the biggest thing, and I'm naive about this, is that I think I tend to have too much faith in that systems work to, you know, uphold the values that they purport to uphold. And I guess I just am really sad. And I mean, not even sad, like, I don't know. I mean, just hearing all the information, and obviously, I don't live in Atlanta, but that doesn't mean I shouldn't be informed about what's going on there. But it just makes me like, how are they supposed to advocate? How are how is the government supposed to protect the interests of the people? Like, I don't, I just am sort of, I'm not in disbelief because I do believe it because things often, you know, aren't fair and, you know, harm people. But it just is like, it's so disappointing that like, these people are doing everything that they're supposed to be doing. And yet the system is not set up for like the outcome to reflect what the people want, and for the outcome to not cause greater harm to communities that are already, you know, being politically brutalized. Yeah, this isn't a case of like, the people of the city either don't know that this is happening and aren't taking action or like have been somehow manipulated to not know about it or know about it and aren't trying to say anything when there's like tens of hours of people begging for it not to happen. Like, the you know, it's a city of informed constituents who are doing what they can yeah, within the system, as you said, to say, no, like I live here and, and can you hear me? And I don't want this. Yeah, it's really disheartening. Earlier, we were talking about like how this was decided. I don't know like who proposed the idea. I'm guessing it was the Atlanta Police Foundation wanted to have this military training facility as a response, as a response to the response of like 2020 protests, particularly the the police murder of George Floyd. I'm guessing that's where the Atlanta Police Foundation wanted this to happen from, but also likely it was probably already in the works for a long time. But mm-hmm. they needed this. They needed city council to say it was fine, and for the city council to lease the space to them. And so the city council had to listen to that 17 hours of public comment, and then make their vote about whether or not they will give the Atlanta Police Foundation the space to do it. And then they still decided to give them that land. And the the land is also especially just like fraught because it's like one of the major lungs of the city it's belongs to the muskegee creek people and it was also for a long time part of a a prison farm mm-hmm. where prisoners were like put to work 
in that on that land. I think that as East Coasters who live in Southern cities, like this is going to have a direct impact on us at some point. Mm -hmm. And if we don't really feel it now, we will feel it 10 years from now when our police look really, really different. Mm -hmm. Um, And that freaks me out. Yeah, that is freaky. I'm curious about the terms you used at the beginning um, to distinguish police and military. You said like intervene and defend. That's me. (laughs) That's like my understanding of it. Yeah, honestly, like I wouldn't even like, I don't know that those are the verbs (laughs) that I see each of those things doing I don't know like but yeah what you just said really makes me think about that too of like how will our um understanding of the role of police change and it might be one of those things that like I mean it's like it seems like it will be a culture shift more than anything like nothing written down in law that police are supposed to act different but you know as a result of different types of training that might become more widespread, the culture of policing, and then also the culture of, you know, the public's relationship with police will inevitably shift. Yeah, my my word choice for defend and intervene are like in a normal world, <laughs> even though we live in the only world that we have, like in a in in a idea space of like, if I were to define the military, that's like something that defends a country overseas. And then if I were to define the domestic law enforcement, it would be, you know, intervening in crime that's happening, not like not playing offense. Yeah. You know? And and there's already been this major cultural shift of like how we think about police now. I mean, I'm not, I haven't been an adult for very long. So I can't really like compare the way that people with fully developed brains have talked about police differently in the past like 20 years or whatever. But I feel like I I feel like I used to have and maybe just because I didn't know anything about the police, but like this idea that like they're there in case, mm-hmm. I guess. But now I'm like they're like police are trying to, you know, keep up their quotas for however many fucking parking tickets or like I don't know, maybe not parking tickets, speeding tickets or like arrests or drug arrests or whatever they're supposed to make in a year like there are so many things at play that don't involve protecting and serving this like feels like one of the only or maybe just the most funded public resource we have and what would the world look like if libraries got 90 million or if the city of atlanta libraries just the libraries got 90 million dollars yeah like I was at the my local library today and I was walking out and I noticed that they had had every single bus loop pamphlet by the door. And I was like, this is so smart. This is so smart. There are flyers to know like what's going on in the city. Mm-hmm. Resources to help me if like something fucked up happens with my landlord. Poetry readings, like giving someone the correct pamphlet for a bus loop yeah. could keep them off the street digging around I don't know pissing on the sidewalk and then getting fucking arrested you know what I mean like mm. and maybe that's a one of those what's it called logical fallacies that I just said but like <laughs> you know what I mean like you start to imagine like you know yeah other if we fund other places mm-hmm. people would make different decisions and then pop possibly not you know do crime or whatever but this isn't even a fucking like thing about people doing crime it's like yeah the police wanting to militarize it is very strange yeah now i'm just thinking about like this like the idea of investment and like not that word in like an icky sense but just like literally like in like in a positive sense like what are we investing in like what do we believe what causes do we believe in and what do we want to promote? Where do we invest those resources? In this case, money. Mm-hmm. And it just does not make sense to me that like what exactly what you're saying that like this kind of activity should receive such an investment in the face of, you know, 
as we were talking about at the beginning of the episode, like sacrificing because necessarily, you know, other things are cut from the budget. And what does that say that, you know, this is where we have our investments? What I need to get my hands on the budget if it's an open thing to the public because oh, I would like to see what changed. Yeah. This podcast endorses funding as a direct opposition to things like cop city bail funds and homeless shelters and just because like i really believe in them and their power libraries Mm -hmm. (laughs) i can't you know i it's not like a direct orgs mutual aid orgs public Mm -hmm. art like all these cops are gonna like ship themselves down to atlanta so not only is atlanta going to have the atlanta police being literally like beefed the fuck up like it's going to be a city that is just filled with cops from other places yeah i was also sort of wondering about how like this will affect migration over time like how people just might like you know choose to move or you know obviously not everyone can choose to move so it will just be inequitable but yeah i feel like definitely people will move away from like it's not a good thing for tourism or for like you know encouraging people to go live in atlanta yeah and like it's it's trapping these people who are the most at risk Mm -hmm. because of because of all the choices being made by the the city council like it's trapping them in the most dangerous place that they could be yeah that used to be their homes and Mm -hmm. now like kind of like an easy thought exercise because I was thinking this the entire time I was reading I was like oh my god everyone's gonna have to move but like they can't Mm -hmm. and it's also like they shouldn't have to yeah (sighs) I wonder if any of city council is up for election in November maybe contribute to some letter writing a post called writing the city council each member has a four-year term and the last election was 2021 I believe Atlanta City Council. So the next election is 2025. It might depend. Like if people could be, you know. Oh, like if they revamp everyone at the same time or if they. Okay, this is from June 6, 2023, Time Magazine. Atlanta's City Council voted early Tuesday morning to provide public funding for a controversial law enforcement training facility cementing an unusual alliance that has formed between local Democrats and state Republicans. With the Democratic mayor, left-leaning city council, and state Republicans all backing millions of dollars in taxpayer funds for the private nonprofit that is building the center. The facility, dubbed Cop City by opponents, is set to take the next step towards construction. In 2021, council members voted 10 to 4 to lease the land to the Atlanta Police Foundation, but not to provide money. And then in this past June, they're, now they're providing money. So, yeah, if they're leasing the land, then it's making money for the government. And then they're also losing money by giving them money. But So here's a figure that I've now seen twice, but only twice. But now one of them is in Time Magazine, read the leasing of the land. About $31 million in public money will be used to fund the site's construction. The city will also pay $36 million over 30 years for using the 300 acres of forested land, which at least to the Atlanta Police Foundation for $10 a year. Holy shoot. The heck? <laughs> Never yeah. mind what I said. <laughs> the whole thing, like, makes no fucking sense. Like, what the heck? I don't. Other than, like, the obvious, like, militarization of everybody? Yeah. Of the police? I don't, like, there is so much to be lost. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Air. A normal climate. Mm-hmm. Safe, protected constituents. Mm-hmm. Happy constituents. Mm-hmm. 10 yeah no i saw the 10 dollar thing and i was like i don't want to say it because it just seems so fucking crazy and like i haven't and i just i just wasn't seeing it everywhere yeah they're leasing it to the police for 10 dollars a year that is actually wild talk about you know the shoe piece does and the value of parking 
versus, you know, a land that is the home of people and, like you said, an integral resource to the health of the community. It's <laughs> also say it's only worth $10. It's, it's such a fuck you. Yeah. You know, like I why even? I literally nothing. don't actually understand how they can do that. Like, doesn't it have to, they don't have to like do evaluation of the land. That doesn't make sense. I don't, I mean, like, I don't know enough to know that it doesn't make sense, but just like in my brain, which is obviously too logical mm-hmm. to see reason in this situation that is obviously unreasonable and unjust, it's not computing. This is from the Atlanta City Council website when they approved it in September 8th, 2021. The Atlanta City Council approved legislation Wednesday authorizing a ground lease agreement with the Atlanta Police Foundation to build a public safety training campus on city-owned property located on Key Road. The ordinance adopted to a 10 to 4 vote states the Atlanta Police Foundation will develop the facility on 85 acres with the remaining 265 acres preserved as green space for ecological habitat restoration and public access. So you can go on a nature walk next to fucking Cop City um, and hear all the bombs go off. And people are up in arms about, you know, pickleball courts. They think they're too loud. Mm-hmm. What about a, you know controlled yeah. bomb? Not to mention this shit would never happen in a city that's not Atlanta. Yeah. Can yeah. you imagine this happening in Arlington County? No. Like, there's so much in here that I don't really understand. I'm going to send it in the chat so you can look at, look at the bullets on here. Editing this is going to be so fun. Okay. Look at the bullets. Oh, are these just other things that they did? Why are they not explaining why? Why they approved it? Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) When I started Googling why do people want Cop City, what came up is why do people want kids? Oh. What, like, just doesn't make any fucking sense to me is, like, this is supposed to keep us safe. Yeah. The police are not, like, they're not the military. They're not doing this to other people. They're doing it directly to us. What do you mean? Like, if it's, who's us in this situation? The police? Like, I I am a citizen. I am not in the military or the police. So what the police are training to do is stuff against me. Yeah. So what? Yeah, you're so right. This is like so hard to research because I can't like I where's I need all the information in one place like in one timeline. I'm seeing that like part of the Stop Cop City organization involved the people wanting cop city to be converted into a referendum issue which would be something that like voters would vote on on a ballot not that the city council would vote on okay so instead of the city deciding based on based on the feedback of the constituents constituents would just directly vote yes or no yes that would be the referendum yeah i can't tell if the petition was successful i'm reading that this is from August. There was an August 21 deadline to get the signatures, but then they pushed it. I don't think 
I don't know that they've gotten the signatures. And then there's also this issue about like, are the signatures valid? Wow, this is actually crazy. The organizers say that they need 58,203 valid signatures, which is 15% of registered voters as of the last city election. And I wonder what like the regular turnout for elections is, <laughs> especially local elections, like if it's anywhere close to 15%. Also, like this may be a, a small percentage, but like if you think about how Atlanta, it being a big city and also formerly having this poli- like prison farm, are a lot of people who live there like no longer have the right to vote and then like can't even participate in something like this? Yeah, well that, I mean- that number specifically said the like voting eligible population. Yeah. But like compared to like the actual population. Like- yeah, I don't know. Yeah, definitely. There's disenfranchisement that would affect, you know, who has a voice. I think everyone should know about this. And I think that specifically people who live in the southeast of the U.S. really need to know about it. Policing is going to change very significantly. Local elections, man, they're important because then someday you wake up. Yeah. And your stupid city council is leasing your favorite forest for 10 fucking dollars to the police every year. That's actually crazy. Everybody turn off your ad blockers just for a minute. Read a local publication. (laughs) Let them get that ad revenue. Yeah, seriously. Turn them back on. But, you know, just for a minute, turn them off. Literally, like, turn off your ad blockers, go to a local publication, close your eyes, set a five-minute timer, and, like, do, like, a zen exercise in which you're just clicking on things. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, just be, like, type, like, fake typing or fake clicking around or anything. Maybe even accidentally click on donate a dollar. <laughs> Yeah. When I'm rich, the libraries are getting the Xtina fund. <laughs> yeah. Also, let us know your thoughts. Um, what do you think about Cop City? What have you been reading? Where have you been reading it? Any recommendations for, you know, more information on this? Slash, if you have um, a unique perspective or if you are closer to the issue than either of us. I'd be curious to know what you think. Let us know in the Spotify comments section, which if you scroll down is right there. And thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.